This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Mac Mini Issues moon camera on earth photographer dies in a skydive and more greetings everybody you're listening to the liam photography podcast i'm your host liam douglas and this is episode 374 for thursday october 26 2023 and in today's episode some exciting news stories from our friends at petapixel but first, I wanted to share an interesting story about some recent issues I've been having with my M1 Mac Mini. So I bought the original M1s back in 2021 for both myself and my wife, Tina, as our new personal desktop computers. And we have absolutely loved them. The Apple Silicon processors are so much more powerful and they run circles around anything put out by Intel or AMD. And even the base models with only 8 gigabytes of RAM are extremely powerful. Now, over the past six months or so, I've been having off and on issues with my iMessages randomly signing me out on my Mac, even though I'd still be signed into iCloud. Additionally, my unlock with Apple Watch would randomly turn itself off as well, and when I would try to turn it back on, it would say my watch was no longer signed into my iCloud account, even though it was. Now, the only way to fix these issues is I would always have to, and this was a fix on a temporary basis, I would have to sign out of iCloud on my Mac, reboot it, and then sign back in. And then everything would work again for three to four days before it would then fail again. And I thought for the longest time I had something software-related corrupted in my personal profile. But it takes quite a long time for me to set up all of my software and personal settings on my Mac if I do a clean install. And I wasn't looking forward to that, so I kind of put it off for a few months. I was trying to avoid it. I know, procrastination. So I just kept putting up with the issue for a while. Now, once I got to the point where it was getting really annoying, I did finally do a full wipe of the hard drive, and I set it back up clean from scratch. No time machine restore or anything like that. And the issue persisted. So I finally opened a support ticket with Apple thinking maybe something was corrupted in my iCloud profile instead that was causing the issue. So I started working with an Apple senior advisor and I installed a profile on my Mac to do data captures when the issue would occur and I sent those logs off to Apple. Anytime the issue occurred, we would upload those logs so that their engineering team could examine them. Now, during all of these issues, software-related issues, I also noticed that the Bluetooth AirPod Max headset would lose connectivity with my Mac when I would walk away from my desk. I could get 
six or 10 feet away and my Bluetooth connection would drop. And it never did that before. Now, Bluetooth without any radio interference should be good for upwards of 100 feet. So this was turning into a bit of a head scratcher as some of my symptoms seemed to be hardware related and others seemed to be software related. But it was difficult to get a firm lockdown on which it was. Well, last week, I decided to finally buy a new M2 Pro Mac Mini as my new main computer. As I've been wanting to something even more powerful for editing my YouTube videos and podcasts and photos and such. So I ordered one from the apple.com online store and it arrived last week. Now I bought this one with not only the M2 Pro processor, but I ordered it with double the RAM for good measure as well. And I also decided to set this one up uh, clean as well. So I didn't use any time machine backups in case that was still an underlying issue. Now, happily, I must say that after nine days of running the new Mac, I've had no issues so far with my iMessages or Apple Watch issues. And another thing I discovered is after I moved uh, the old Mac to my podcasting desk in the same room as my work desk, and hooked it up to that monitor, it started having display issues where the video cuts out randomly. Now, this same one-year-old Samsung 28-inch 4K monitor was being used before with my 13-inch M1 MacBook Pro, which at that time was my podcasting computer, and it had no issues at all. And while I was setting up my M2 Pro Mac, it was hooked up to this same monitor using the same HDMI cable, and it had no video issues at all. So I'm fairly confident that it's not the monitor or the HDMI cable. And I even bought an, uh, a brand new 4K gold-plated HDMI cable for good measure, just in case. So I shot an email off to my Apple advisor, letting him know that I believe I have narrowed down the issue on the M1 Mac to it being bad hardware this whole time, and as it has now developed video issues out of the blue, and also that my new M2 Pro Mac Mini sits in the same spot as the old one did on my main desk, and when using my AirPod Max tied to it for Teams calls or anything else like that, I can safely walk all around my house without the Bluetooth dropping at all. And I can even go outside and walk three quarters of the way to the bottom of my driveway before it starts breaking up and drops the call. So I guess in conclusion for this part of today's episode, yes, even those of us that work in IT for a living can run into weird IT issues on our own gear. That's just the nature of the beast, so to speak. Now, when my Apple advisor calls me tonight, because we already have a scheduled call this evening, we can run the hardware diagnostics and then hopefully get my M1 repaired or replaced while it still has around five months left on my Apple Care Plus warranty, which will be a good thing because then I'll basically have two new Macs. And hey, that's always a good thing. Okay, so now let's take a look at the news stories for today. Prototype camera made for the moon is being tested here on Earth. The first crewed mission to the moon for over 50 years is planned for December 2025, 
and astronauts have been putting a brand new camera designed for the space expedition through its paces here on Earth. The handheld Universal Lunar Camera, HULC, has been developed by the European Space Agency and NASA's Artemis Imagery Team and will be the first handheld mirrorless camera used in space. The prototype camera is slated for use on the Artemis 3 mission and is made up of parts from professional off-the-shelf cameras and contemporary lenses, but it has been modified for the extreme lunar environment. Temperatures on the moon range from minus 328 to 80, well, 184 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 200 to 120 degrees Celsius, so a blanket has been added to the camera for thermal protection that also shields it from dust. Special ergonomic buttons have been engineered so that the astronauts will, who will be wearing bulky gloves can still operate the device in their spacesuits. To prepare for use on the moon, scientists from the ESA took it to the lunar-like landscapes of Lazarote, Spain, and into the darkness of volcanic caves to test the camera in low light. The Artemis 3 mission is scheduled to be the first crewed lunar landing since Apollo 17 in December 1972, and the astronauts will arrive on the moon's south pole near permanently shadowed craters to look for evidence of water. ESA astronaut and profile photographer Thomas Pesquest, who has taken over 380,000 pictures in space during two missions to the International Space Station, says the capturing images there will be challenging. Quote, conditions for photography will be tricky in many ways, from operating the camera with gloves on to very low light levels and big contrast between bright and dark sources, he says. Quote, the engineers have done a really good job reconfiguring the buttons and arranging them in a simple yet reliable protection for the camera. While on the moon, astronaut photographers will take a variety of shots, including close-ups of the surface, panoramic photos, and video. Quote, we are trying to choose the best lenses for the moon shots and optimize the settings in a smart way. We want astronauts to be able to take a detailed image of a crystalline structure in a rock and to capture landscapes all with the right exposure, explains Jeremy Myers, NASA's lead for the HULC camera. Quote, the lunar camera will be one of many tools they will need to handle on the moon, so it should be easy to use. The human factor is a big deal for us because you want the camera to be intuitive and not taxing on the crew. A version of the camera is scheduled to go to the International Space Station for further testing in the near future. NASA has also done extensive testing for the three major challenges of space, thermal, vacuum, and radiation effects. Quote, we will continue modifying the camera as we move, for, uh, move towards the Artemis III lunar landing, adds Myers. Quote, I am positive that we will end up with the best product, a camera that will capture moon pictures for humankind used by crews from many countries and for many years to come. So this is definitely cool because the last time humans were on the moon, of course, we were still in the days of film photography. So this is really exciting that now we are not only in the days of mirrorless digital photography, but uh, we're now going to finally take the first mirrorless digital images on the moon in this new upcoming lunar mission. So definitely an exciting moment in the world of photography.
Photographer employed by skydiving company dies on routine jump. A photographer employed as a camera flyer at a skydiving company died after being critically injured in an accident. The incident happened last Tuesday, October 17th on Mount Cook in Pakaki, New Zealand. The photographer was airlifted to a hospital in Christchurch and in critical condition but succumbed to his injuries on Sunday. The experienced camera operator who was working for skydive Mount Cook is said to have encountered an unknown issue during his descent. A spokesperson for the company says everyone is devastated by the loss of our treasured colleague and our thoughts are with his family during this time. The company says that its initial investigation has ruled out an equipment failure and stressed it is confident in its robust systems. Quote, however, whilst this investigation is still open, we will continue to work with local authorities and will be unable to make any further comments at this time, it adds. Little is known about the accident, but Skydive Mount Cook told the New Zealand Herald last week that the employee was not jumping in tandem with any customers or passengers at the time and was completing a routine jump. Quote, we are cooperating with local authorities who were immediately notified and are investigating the situation further a company spokesperson said last week. We are currently in communication with the affected team member's family. On the Skydive Mount Cook's website, it describes its personal photographers as specially trained to capture customers up close while thousands of feet in the air. Quote, they hang outside of the plane waiting for the moment you dive then impressively control their movements to join up with you and film the very best perspectives. There have been four skydiving deaths in New Zealand in four and a half years. A 21-year-old camera operator, Theo Williams, died in March 2021 during a commercial skydive jump. A New Zealand Civil Aviation Authority, CAA, investigation found the most likely cause of the accident was judgment error by the skydiver when close to the ground. So definitely a tragic story and a sad bit of news, and my heart goes out to this photographer's family, and I hope they are able to determine the root cause of this tragedy, and hopefully there's a way to avoid it happening in the future. Definitely, definitely a sad, sad situation there. Time selects Canon and Sony cameras as best inventions of 2023. Time has announced the 200 best inventions of 2023, and three cameras have made the cut in the consumer electronics segment. Alongside products like the LG Signature OLED M 97-inch television, Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 5 smartphone, and Intel Thunderbolt 5, Time recognized a pair of Sony cameras, the Sony A7R5 full-frame mirrorless camera and the Sony FX3 cinema camera, the third camera on the list is demonstrably less consumer-oriented, the Canon MS500, the world's first ultra-high-sensitivity interchangeable lens camera with a SPAD image sensor. Canon also made Time's list of best inventions last year with its unique Canon RF 5.2mm f2.8L dual fisheye lens designed for creating virtual reality content. In its explanations for its three-camera selections, Time lauds the A7R5 for its AI-powered autofocus system. The A7R5 sports a dedicated AI processing unit, which helps the camera swiftly and accurately identify and track a diverse array of moving subjects. 
As for the Sony FX3, Time notes that the camera has made filmmaking more affordable and accessible. Famously, the FX3 was heavily used by award-winning filmmaker Gareth Edwards' Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and his new sci-fi epic, The Creator. Petapixel recently chatted with the blockbuster film's visual effects supervisor, Jay Cooper, who talked about Edwards' about Edwards used the FX3 because it's compact, lightweight, and very good in low light. Rounding out the camera choices is the Canon MS500, which Time calls the most powerful camera. Petapixel explained that the 3.2 megapixel camera can see objects from several miles away, even at night. The SPAD sensor is extremely sensitive, and unlike traditional CMOS image sensors, the SPAD sensor measures each light particle that reaches every pixel of the sensor. Quote, the SPAD sensor uses a technology known as photon counting, which counts light particles or photons that enter a pixel. When incoming photons are converted to an electric charge, they are amplified approximately one million times and extracted as digital signals, making detecting even small amounts of light possible, Cannon explained in August. Time's full list of the 200 best inventions of 2023 is available on Time's website. And it is definitely intriguing to see that three cameras made Time's list of the best inventions of 2023. And this Canon camera is especially intriguing because I had not heard about this bad sensor and the fact that it can capture images in low light at such a great distance is truly, truly impressive. And last for today, Gigster has acquired photo website ePhotoZine. Photography website ePhotoZine has been purchased by Gigster, an online studio space rental company. As ePhotoZine explains in a new post, Gigster has acquired ePhotoZine.com, an online photography platform that has been live for over 21 years. Quote, we're thrilled to incorporate ePhotoZine.com website into our portfolio. It's a pivotal step to further serve our growing community of photographers, says Yuri Baranov, founder and president of Gigster. We believe the ePhotoZine.com will provide immense value to our production renters. The site will give them direct access to a wealth of information about photography paired with invaluable tutorials and reviews. Tracy Jennings, the former managing director of ePhotoZine, has retained a senior role at the website following the sale to Gigster. Quote, I am elated ePhotoZine has joined the Gigster portfolio. This new chapter promises further growth and opportunity, and I'm excited to be able to focus on sales strategies and optimizing client campaigns, Jennings says. The news article continues, quote, the domain name and asset acquisition of ePhotoZine.com website aligns with Gigster's expansive strategy to provide enriched resources to photographers within its community. This acquisition not only brings forward the esteemed content of ePhotoZine.com, but also complements Gigster's existing marketplace, which boasts over 35,000 creative spaces tailored to commercial shoot requirements. According to ePhotoZine's uh, team page, Magazine Publishing Limited employs the company's two-person staff. Jennings started at the website in 2003, and the other employee, David or Daniel Bell, joined in 2007. The website includes contributions from John Riley and David Clapp. Other key website members, including its moderators and photo critiques, are volunteers. 
Uh, Gigster's acquisition of ePhotoZine comes nearly five months after Gigster announced that it had purchased a photography website imaging resource from Bebop, an acquisition that ultimately failed. Bebop purchased uh, Metavore Media, which included Imaging Resource, Digital Photo Pro, and Outdoor Photographer, among many other publications, in February of this year. Bebop's handling of Metavore properties has been under scrutiny after many longtime contributors and photographers were not paid by Metavore following the company's sale to Bebop. The situation grew more bewildering when Bebop filed a $25 million lawsuit against Gigster, alleging that Gigster had defrauded Bebop during the proposed sale of Bebop's photo properties, including imaging resource and outdoor photographer. The entire sequence of events is proving chaotic. As of now, Bebop's lawsuit against Gigster, Inc. appears to be pending. So it is definitely good to see that ePhotoZine is uh, under new ownership and is going to be staying online. That's definitely some good news for those of us in the photography community. So it looks like it has a new home and will continue on after its 21 plus years in the photography world, which is definitely a good thing for you, me, and everyone else who loves and enjoys and appreciates everything related to photography. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 374 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. If you're not currently a subscriber, why not? It doesn't cost you a thing, only a second of your time to mash that subscribe button. Do it now, please, so you don't miss a single episode going forward. Also, remember to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, turn on all notifications so you don't miss any of my new video content on there. Keep in mind that my next contest will be starting later on this month, and you will not want to miss out on being notified of when that starts and how you can get your entry in for your chance to win the grand prize. So definitely stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel as well. All right, that's it for this one, folks. I will see you again next Thursday.